Are you paying too much for your home and auto insurance? At Caleb Holloway State Farm, you're a one-quick-click call and quote away for some serious savings. Visit www.calebholloway.net or call 706-406-2111 for all of your home, auto, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, Caleb Holloway State Farm is there. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Rob from Cigar Store Idiots. You may be asking yourself what Moonwalker Delta 8 is. Moonwalker is the industry leader in Delta 8 THC products, an emerging category pushing the boundaries of the cannabis plant. By expertly combining terpenes with complementary flavors, Moonwalker represents the absolute pinnacle of Delta 8 THC products, all engineered for pure bliss and joy. If you have any questions or concerns about the legality of Delta 8, please feel free to visit moonwalker.com backslash pages backslash legal. In the place with style and grace, allow me to lace these lyrical douches in your bushes. Uh, Who rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies? The, the back, back of the, the club, club. sipping my wet is where you find me. What? The back of the club, macking yeah. holes, my crew's behind me. Uh, Mad question asking, blunt passing, music lasting. But I just can't quit because one of these honeys, Biggie, got to creep with, right. sleep with, keep the epic secret. Why not? What's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome to another episode of Cigar Store Idiots. I am Rob. You, sir, are. I'm Andrew. You, sir, are. I'm Ed. You, sir. The who are you? Mysterious guest in return. <laughs> the mysterious guy uh, from Parts Unknown. Uh, yeah, got, they're gonna have to move their trailer out of my Parts Unknown. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> blocked my driveway. <laughs> Is it an Impala? Possibly, you know it. 1968. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Woo. Damn, dude, we finally got everybody in here. I know. This is uh, it's a rare occasion. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a first. It's a Bigfoot oh, yeah. sighting, if you will. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can now die a happy man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sir. Uh, so what's been going on, everybody? What's happening in your in your life, in your world? <laughs> on vacation. Staycation. You first what? staycation I've had in a long time. It's, uh, it's actually sometimes good when you go on vacation to stay home. It is good. My wife loves the beach, so every time we go on vacation, she drags me down. Well, I say drag me down. It's like I don't like to go. I like to go, too, but. Sometimes it's nice not to have to worry about the drive and not just stay home, do things around the house you need to do. Come back home in a mad scramble. Well, I always have that bumper day, and my wife knows this. I come home on a Saturday, have my Sunday to recover, get my laundry done, get all this stuff done, and be ready for Monday. I will not come home on a Sunday and turn around and go back to work next day. Yeah. I will not. Yeah, you have to have that extra day. I need that bumper day from vacation to work. Agreed. Yep. Edward, man, what's happening, man? I'm living the good life right now. That's good. You know, just, uh, at least one of us is. (laughs) 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 Yes, sir. It's, uh, I don't know, man. Things, things kind of, uh, Kind of worked yourself out, you know. That's good in life. You so know, you're not making a trip to go purchase the Jenna Jameson five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going to put that one on the back burner until we maybe get another stimulus check and I can hide it from. Her. So I never got mine, baby. I don't know what happened. I get in touch with the IRS or something. Oh, you mean that mannequin in the closet? <laughs> yeah, that's not it. Structure was closing down. Yeah. I mean, but I'm gonna tell you something. Structure. That extra five thousand, extra five thousand. 
is spoken for. <laughs> I got my eyes on something. Pretty. What's what's been going on with you, sir? I've jumped in the rabbit hole, man. You did last week. I've been eyeballs deep in this. So we we went back. Uh, what's going on with you, Rob? Man, we forgot we didn't we didn't do that. I had uh, I got to tell this story. I'm probably gonna get in trouble. Uh, I say this every <laughs> single time. I, I I do get in trouble. I do yeah. get in trouble. So, but uh, so Moonwalker came out with the uh, um, assorted flavor gummies, mm. and uh, I was like, mm. I went, I'll try those. <laughs> so I bought some, and uh, I got home yesterday. Didn't have nothing else going on. It was raining. Of course, but I don't rain. I don't work when it rains, and. Uh, <clears throat> I was like, I got, oh man, this lemon one looks pretty tasty. I'm gonna try it out. So I ate it, and I'm sitting there. <clears throat> Brittany comes home from work. She's like, "We got to go to town center. I got to find a dress for a wedding." And I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "Yeah, that's go, a good idea. Let's go do it." And so I feel like she probably spent most of her time at the mall and at dinner with Seth Rogen <laughs> because I just kept saying some of the most ridiculous shit. Uh, of course, I was fine. I was fine, everybody. But yeah, but it was, but it was funny. It is uh, funny. It's fucking funny the yeah. whole time. So it's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, and another thing too, we went to eat at Ted's uh, Montana Grill, and I love that place. And uh, it, it, it's hard to find places for well. Brittany can find something to eat anywhere we go, but she's she's a vegetarian, so she don't eat meat. And uh, Ted's isn't it typically the place you go, but they've got great sides, and that's typically typically what she'll do is get right. a bunch of sides. And uh, but I looked at the lady. Uh, I don't know if I just had a a moment of, of mental lapse, or I was just enjoying that lemon gummy, whatever. And it was definitely the gummy. So I looked at the girl, and I'm like. Uh, you guys don't have baked potatoes, do you? And I don't know why she. I, 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 it looked like I crawled out of an alien's asshole when I asked her because she looked at me like she was just like, a, like, like she gasped that I asked for a potato, and she was like, um, looked at me like I was completely stupid, and she's like, "No, sir, we don't sell baked potatoes." And I was oh, like, wow. "Well, you should." I don't I'll understand. take some fries though. Know. You know that French fry you made? Keep that tater hole. <laughs> yeah, for real. I don't understand. That. I don't either, dude. I, I, no. I, I was. That's why I'm saying is, is this like uh, something that I should have known before? I, went in there? I mean, I've ate there a gazillion yeah. times. I just wasn't. Some people were thinking. just dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Like, Do they have sweet potatoes? They don't. They don't have any. I but mean, they have fries. You can get fries or mashed potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything in there is good though, but I would I would have thought they would have brought a potato to the table. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I just uh, I was kind of shocked that that uh, I got chastised for uh, for asking for a baked potato at, at Ted's. I mean, you're the steak you're the steak restaurant. Yeah, you, you would think you would think so. Yeah. yeah well, fellas, let's get into uh, before we jump into our second episode of uh, of Rampart Crash. Uh, Death Row Records, all that good stuff. Let's go over our uh, What the Florida moment, okay? You ready for this one? A Florida man wants to go to Hooters so badly, <clears throat> he uh, calls 911 dispatch and says he needs a ride to the restaurant because his grandmother had suffered a stroke in the parking lot. Uh, instead, 28-year-old Jonathan Hinkle uh, got a ride to the Brevard County Jail. Um he made a call to the police. Uh, made a call to nine one one, saying they found her, his grandmother in the parking lot, passed out from a stroke, and he couldn't get a ride to her. 
And uh, so he calls 911 to get the police to take him to Hooters. Uh, the police department checks in on his grandmother and finds out that she, in fact, has not had a stroke. And she wasn't at Hooters. <laughs> she was actually at home watching Family Feud. So, uh, so yeah, there's uh, there's your what the Florida moment. That is definitely that. Is definitely that. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. He dude. wanted the cops to at take what, him to Hooters. At what point did it cross his mind? <laughs> I'm not going to Uber. I'm just going to call the cops. Well, the food's not even that good. No. I, I get no, in that argument not. all the time. It's not even that good. But you're going to risk going to... I mean, the wings are okay. Yeah. But, the, I mean... The Daytona wings are good. I'll give them that. They put bacon and barbecue on those. <laughs> so I'll eat those. And the... So. Uh, what do they call that? The buffalo shrimp. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it bad. I ain't but, never been a big fan of that place. But I, remember, I, but, I, but I wouldn't get the cops to take me there. Look, I remember when they opened the Hooters up in Rome. <laughs> it's not here anymore, but they, we had a Hooters here. And we went in, and one of our friends, his name was Chad, and he was a smart ass, and he just straight up like said whatever he'd want to say. And of course, when they first opened these, these, these restaurants up, they hire a ton of people. Yeah. Not and they also bring in the hottest girls they from do. all over the they nation. Do. They do. They, they bring do. they bring in the hot hooter girls from uh from these. They're just they're there to open the store and That's I guess right. teach the girls away or whatever. But for whatever reason, there was so many ugly girls in the Rome uh, at the Rome Hooters in the beginning. Like lots yeah. of ugly girls. Like if I didn't hit on you, you was one of them. <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the truth of the matter is, we're sitting there and, and we're, we've already we're a few pictures in. Uh, we've been drinking and uh, Chad Chad's like God dang. He's like in the waitress we had. She was she's all right. She wasn't too bad, but. Chad's like, where's the manager at? And and they're like, Dusty's over here. Let's go get Dusty. So he brings the manager. He's he's like, hey, guys, you enjoying your time? And Chad's like, yeah. He's like, I, I just had a question. He's like, who's in charge of hiring over here? And he's like, oh, that'd be me, me and uh, somebody else. And he said, uh, well, what do y'all look for uh, <laughs> when uh, y'all are hiring a Hooters girl? And he's like, well, you know, like the cheerleader type, the, the, the what is it, uh, the hometown girl, uh, you know, friendly, chipper, you know, good attitude. And Chad looks right at his face and goes, so looks don't factor into any of that. <laughs> and he did not take it well. I'll bet he didn't. And we almost got banned from Hooters the first fucking day it was open. We were like, God damn, Chad, could you just, <laughs> could you just not? not get us kicked out the first day we're here? But he was, and, but, uh, when he said it, like, he's like staring at the guy and the guy like stares back and he's not like impressed or amused at all. And then Chester's laughing. He's like, oh, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, okay. But no, he was serious. Yeah. <laughs> and that manager knew he was serious. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he knew he had a house full of ugly hands. Yeah, he knew he was serious. <laughs> he, he knew it. So, <laughs> All right, so we're going to dive into uh, the last episode we covered. Uh, we talked a lot about the Rampart Division, and we talked about the uh, uh, crash unit, uh, to uh, which they were just as bad as the, as the criminals and the gangs that they were actually put together to take care of. So, Or police, if you will. So, so I watched City of Lies last night. You did watch it. I did. See, I have not. I didn't. I hadn't watched it yet. I want to see either. it. It's I, on, and it's on demand. You said it was. It's on Comcast on demand. Okay, all right. But it's also on. I think Amazon. Okay, yeah. I, I remember because when Amazon. I was speaking to my remote, say, "Hey, show me this." It kind of showed me some options. Yeah. You know. Well, first it took me directly to the on demand, but yeah. there was it's on some other things too. But yeah, I watched it. It was good. It, it was good. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't one of those where I, at the end of it, I'm like, "Oh, that was a great movie." Yeah. But it was, you know, it told the story. It told a story, and there's some things, you know, 
it's 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 kind of where we're going to go today as far as there's so many leads right. and there's so many directions you could go with this you kind of just throw your hands up but it's it 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 is it was dirty yeah i know it was dirty as hell even what we were talking about i mean with the, there's so many different scenarios on so many different things there's so many different leads that you actually could could prove every single one of them i mean you got enough evidence uh to, to although it be circumstantial it's circumstantial but it's uh it's i mean but, like like you said before the podcast started you know you said you understood why nwa wrote some of the songs they wrote about the police well if you dive into the story you understand why they hated the police so much yeah you know yeah. because they were they the police were more crooked than they ever were yeah well, and, and we talked about or committed more crimes than they ever did in episode one you know last week's episode about I mean, it, it's mind-boggling to know we grew up during this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But if they hadn't have robbed that bank, they would have never, never got, caught. got caught. That's exactly right. And it's just yeah. like you said, too, if Rodney King hadn't got filmed getting beat, that none of that never would have happened. Right. Uh, they they never would have ride in the streets, and things would have been business as usual. So, so sidebar here, I talked to a guy that I used to teach with, and uh, he's Latino- and he lived in L.A., and we had dinner last week, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, I said, were you, when were you in L.A.? And it was around this time. He said that he had actually taken his family to see his mom and dad in Mexico. And so his dad came to him one night, and he was like, look, y'all do not need to leave and go back. And he's like, dad, it'll be all right. He said, so he's driving back. And shit's probably on fire everywhere. And he said, there is no cars on that main interstate. He said, I'm just tootling along. He said, I come off the exit ramp, drop down to go to my apartment. He said, just out of the movies, he said, uh, National Guard, rifles drawn. What the f- are you doing here? Da, da, da. There's a curfew. And he's like, I promise. Yeah. I had no idea I was coming back from Mexico. To-. And they escorted him with two personnel carriers. So he's in the middle of two personnel carriers, took him to his apartment, and flat out told him, if you leave again, we will arrest you. Yeah. That's actually terrifying. <clears throat> and he said he got up the next morning and looked out, and he said that he was like, it's not supposed to rain today. He said it wasn't smog. He said that's how much smoke was in the air because everything was burning. burning. Yeah. Jesus. Can you imagine living like that? I mean, And I asked him, I said, so did you hear about uh, the cops and big old grin come across his face? And he goes, oh, yeah. Coach, he said, everything you read is true, plus probably 50%. And I was like, God almighty, yeah. man. It's just mind-boggling. Everybody knew it. And we talked about, if you've got drug dealers going to the cops, saying cops are holding them up, stealing their money, right? it's bad. It's yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. If, if I'm a drug dealer kill, clearing 150000 a year, and I have to go to the cops and say, look, man, y'all cutting into my business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I need to pull oh, some yeah. of your boys back. Yeah. That's insane. So all this gets tied into, we talk about the police department. Uh, we're going to start talking about the involvement that uh, the crash unit had uh, with Death Road Records and Suge Knight uh, and, and kind of how they got involved with each other. Uh, and then essentially, um, allegedly, uh, you know, Biggie Smalls ends up dead. And Tupac ends up dead, and there's a lot of evidence stating that uh, that the uh, the cops in the crash unit had a lot to do with those two guys being uh, executed. 
And a lot of people are probably thinking at this moment, you idiots, you know, Tupac died first. But we kind of, we talked and kind of like the LAPD that were not involved in the crash unit, kind of like their investigation, their investigation led them to the crash unit. Mm -hmm. And then upon researching the crash unit, a task force was established. That led them to the biggie mm-hmm. murder because yeah. mama's, you know, Miss Wallace sued the city of L.A. and the LAPD. And then that led them to Vegas because Leeds started showing them that they needed to go to Vegas and, and investigate the, the Tupac, Tupac murder, murder, which had happened six months before. Yeah. And so that's kind of why we're doing it out of chronological order. But it's it's crazy. But going into the Bank of America thing, you know, I been listening to a podcast and there's like 20 episodes um and they dive into the fbi agent phil carson that took over the investigation and he said in most of this and here's the thing that just blew me away that you know you remember from last week david mack is the one officer that robbed the bank of america in broad daylight yep and he took seven hundred and twenty-two thousand from the vault it said at the time he was only making fifty thousand plus. He owed twenty thousand to the IRS, had probably that much in credit card bills. But two days after the robbery, he takes two of his LAPD buddies, Rafael Perez and Sammy Martin, to Vegas to watch the Tyson fight. They stay in a fifteen hundred dollar a night suite in ninety seven. In ninety seven. <clears throat> and then when he got back to L.A., he bought himself an SUV, a bunch of new furniture, and put $7,000 in the bank. If you take all that away, they still, to this day, do not, do not know where they the other no $650,000 is at. And, and you they're, know, his girl, they're all out of jail. And his girlfriend worked at that bank. Right. She's the one that ordered the $720,000. that was what yeah. I... That, Erilyn Romero. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say. And I worked in banking. I worked in a couple of banks and... uh I will tell you, if a large sum of money is stolen from a bank, it's an inside job. Because I know everybody's misconception of a bank and a credit union. If you're going to rob somebody, rob a credit union because they carry way more money in the house. Uh, just, just FYI. <laughs> but uh, the uh, well, that changes what we're doing later. There's, <laughs> <laughs> damn, we're going to try at the new barbecue place. Uh, but banks only can only uh, FDIC insured banks are only allowed to order a certain amount of money every month you know they they are only allowed to order that certain amount of money so if somebody comes in and needs a large sum of money ordered for like a a, a check cash in place I'll give you an example when uh, when uh, people's taxes are filed those people that cash those checks for a percentage they'll come in and order a big I'm talking shit eight hundred thousand dollars you know or eighty thousand you know not eight hundred thousand that's a little much but um but somebody's responsible at that bank to order that money and your name's on that and your name is on that ticket and you have to sign off on it once it's ordered so um so yeah absolutely that makes that makes total sense that that was an inside job well they've got her on security camera (laughs) looking to see if he's coming in i mean how stupid are you well he convinced her to order it and then took it. Well, he talked her into it, but she was caught. She was caught pretty much, or I should say, the movie makes it seem like she was caught pretty much right away. They they linked that together right yeah. away. Yeah, they said it took about a, 
in real life it took about a month but she they would bring her in and she would just shit the bed and and they knew she, so finally yeah, yeah. finally yeah. she just cracked under the pressure and she told was like look yeah. if i get the money back will you make sure that's nobody? right yeah and i see what y'all are saying so you think everybody deserves second chances maybe another bank will pick her up <laughs> well if she's in the catholic church they will just move her to another branch in another right. area no, i see what y'all are saying i see what y'all are saying yeah. <laughs> i mean she was just she was manipulated man it wasn't her fault no, no exactly well i mean you got to think about how brain why she was and how terrified she was when she got caught because you know they told her if you bitch if you tell anybody we're gonna fucking kill you oh and absolutely your family. yeah so absolutely. everybody's dead so yeah and that's the funny thing about it is you know we did the episode on the mafia and uh after i've dived into this man they ran bad boy they ran uh death row just like it was an extension of the mafia man yeah i mean yeah. if you spoke you're dead yep that was some real organized uh crime right there it was both of those those syndicates were were pretty tied into some pretty bad people one thing i found this week was uh you know we talked about veronica's quesada and you was asking if you could get some chips if she came over chips can i get a little chip chips out of chips with that quesada perez convinced her <laughs> to sell seven pounds of biscuit i mean cocaine <laughs> yeah uh she trafficked it through her brother who was a drug dealer and he took the money so that's how LAPD, they... They're pinched, like, no, we're going to go get our money. Yeah, they pinched the brother, and then the brother turned them on to Veronica, and then Veronica led them to Perez, and then basically, I think he knew once they arrested him, look, I, if, I, if I don't talk... I'm going to die in prison. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, y'all, he, he cut a deal, got a five-year sentence, and all he had to do was serve 16 months. The rest of it was... Uh, credit time served and i guarantee you he was in an area where it was pretty pretty uh lavish and lush for a criminal i'm sure it was he was not nowhere near the general deal. population or other police officers <laughs> yeah as a matter of fact he was probably hiding in a cave somewhere in uh the sierra nevada um, area 51 yeah area. <laughs> yeah so let's talk about uh the thing that i read up on uh with uh with suge uh and uh death row was they basically hired these uh, off-duty police officers to come in and run security for their females their wives uh, of death rows uh, death rows um, corporate people so they were basically security that was that was the quote-unquote reason they got in so and the thing is on the surface you're just moonlighting like everybody else does as a cop sure because they do that security at a bar i'm gonna run security here well this guy's asked me to run security for his record label okay no big deal what were they making a day you remember oh it was god i don't know i can a hell of a lot more than they're making a hell of a lot more yeah exactly exactly so i there's the you know of course they're going to do it because that's that's a that's a police officer's second income Uh, a lot of times is, is running security detail for stuff so um when you got Suge, uh, that's got these folks in, uh, you know, Suge was, uh, um, he was known, uh, for, you know, he's in his involvement with the Crips and, uh, bloods. Oh, I'm sorry. The bloods. Oh God, please don't come after me on that. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Yeah. And, it, and if you don't think that he was in the, in the bloods, just go back and look at any picture he was ever photographed in. What color was he wearing? Always. Wearing. Always wearing red. So, um, always. Yeah. So the, the thing with 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 Suge is uh, he basically come out of nowhere and he got he got all this he's just a street hustler and he's end up ended up with this record label that's got all these main uh, these these new artists that are coming out and 
uh, he's kind of absorbing everybody in on his label. I mean, I know we got he had when uh, NWA split up. Uh, Dr. Dre left and went to Death Row Records, and so then they pulled in Snoop, which was odd because Snoop was a crip. Yeah, and so, he made no bones about it. LBC, yeah, yeah. And it, just about every one of his. He know, made sure they knew yeah, who he, he was. Yeah, yeah, they made sure they knew where what set he was repping. So, um, but uh, you know, Suge was a bad dude, and and Ed, you got a good story on Suge uh, in Vanilla Ice. Yeah, poor old Vanilla Ice, man. He, uh, you know, everybody thinks Vanilla Ice is doing all shitty and everything, but man, he is fucking flipping houses. He <laughs> still performs as uh, Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Still making. I mean. The dude's still making a shit ton of money. At one time, he was racing jet skis. Yeah, yeah. you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jet skis, he still motorcycles. He was doing. I mean, man, he's he's always had his hands in yeah. so many different things. Yeah, I remember yeah. watching it one time, and I was like, "Holy shit!" There's Vanilla Ice racing jet skis. You know, he's a smart guy. But I'm gonna tell you something. You can be as smart as fucking Albert Einstein, but if Suge not holds you over the balcony of a hotel and demands you sign over your rights to your fucking hit, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. There ain't no smarts involved in that. You're asking where the paint, what, what, what color are we using? So red, of course. But, uh, so I wonder how that came about. I'm wondering why he even thought it was a good idea to go up there and talk to them. Well, the thing was, how did he put himself in that position? Well, the music, well, they did actually, what happened was, uh, Ice Ice Baby was still making money. Right. And so they wanted the rights to the track, so they were going to loop it on somebody else's song. And uh, he's like, it ain't for sale. And so Chuck was like, oh, you sure about that? So they went to his hotel where he was. Okay, it was at his hotel. Yeah, Yeah. so they kind of bust in on him, and they fucking hung his ass over the balcony by his ankles. Right. Well, and and the the funny thing is, tying into how Chuck did business, he did the same thing with the promoter from New York that was promoting all the Bad Boys concerts. He came to L.A. because Biggie was coming to L.A. He invites the promoter to a death row party, brings him up, talks to him, and, like, and Tupac's in the room, and he's like, look, I want, we'll pay you some astronomical, we'll pay you like something like $800,000 a year, and all you promote are death row artists. He's like, look, man, I can't. I don't think I can do that. You know, Puffy's been good to me. Biggie's mm-hmm. Biggie's good guy. She goes, okay, well, we'll just leave you here to think about it. And he closes the door, and two of his goons in there fuck this dude up. Tried to. He's like, so you need to think about it. And he's like, yeah, I need to think about it. And say, so okay. And then just absolutely just curb stomped him. Yeah. And then he calls. He winds up calling Puffy and letting Puffy know. And so then that's when Puffy lo- reaches out. He needs security. Well, I don't know whether, you know, and this is alleged, but you don't know, was Puffy culpable or was he just scared out of his mind and hired the wrong guy? Well, he hired a guy that had ties to the Crips. Mm-hmm. So that's where the East Coast-West Coast rivalry kind of started. It wasn't Biggie and Tupac. They no, were friends. They, yeah, they were friends with each other. Yeah, until Officer Tupac went to jail and Biggie didn't go see him, but supposedly, again, allegedly. It wasn't Puff, safe. Puffy, it was not safe for him to travel to the West Coast, but Puffy convinced Biggie, you don't need to go to that jail. Wait till he gets out. Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking four years. That's plenty of time for yeah. Tupac to get pissed. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, and then the whole Biggie drops, who shot you? And so Tupac's like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you got to think about it too. I mean, shit, if he's going to the jail to see Pac on the West Coast, he's not the, – they're gonna they're gonna hit him like when he gets there. I mean, you know it's ha- it's, it's it's all set up. It's already set up. Yeah. To happen. R- rumor is they were trying to find where Puffy's mom lived and where Puffy stayed when he came to the West Coast, and they were gonna set it up there and they mm-hmm. were gonna take care of business there. But it never worked out. 
But, you, you know, and that's the other thing that I – what's funny is growing up in Compton where Suge and Keefy D is who we're talking about mm-hmm. running security for Bad Boy, but where they grew up, they on opposite ends of the street, different gangs, but they knew each other, grew mm-hmm. up, went to school together. Right. And so then you've got the Bloods repping, doing security for Bad – or uh, – Death Row, then you got the Crips doing security for Bad, for bad Boys. So it's just it's a, not a good... That is a bad environment. <laughs> it's an unsafe environment. Yeah, sure. extremely. And, I, I, you know, it's just... I think that's my biggest takeaway so far researching this is not only did you lose two, you know, phenomenal rappers, artists, mind, great minds, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I mean, they were mid-20s. I mean... Yeah, Chris... Yeah, Biggie died at 24. Yeah. yeah. 24 years old, man. And they he looked estimated, a lot older than that, didn't he? He did look older than that. Yeah. They estimated he would have made some crazy $80 million in his lifetime. Yeah. I believe that. He was the king of, of the, I, I, you know, in the, king of the East Coast, man. Baby, yeah. baby. <laughs> For real. <laughs> it's crazy. But, you know, should he's in jail when Biggie gets caught, killed. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, it can't be Suge. Really? Did y'all ever watch Sopranos? Yeah, for right. real. There's right. a lot of people died. Well, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, I mean, he certainly didn't. I, he certainly didn't pull the trigger, but by God, he knows who did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you got to look at too. Um, so Biggie basically, the whole beef with Biggie was it was because of uh, supposed uh, dispute over money over security. So that kind of what that that was kind of the excuse that was used that money was owed to. Um, to death row over security uh, that Biggie had hired these people. So, And then the other thing is Tupac's sitting in jail and Suge sees an opportunity to pluck Tupac from his previous Interscope and he goes in there and, and just fills Tupac full of all these lies and tells him that, you know, Puffy and Biggie are doing X, Y, and Z and you need to sign with me and I'll take care of you and he takes care of him all right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stories that, uh, and we'll get on that next episode when we, we're going to cover Tupac on the next episode. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, he took care of him in a, in a lot of ways. It wasn't, uh, <laughs> the way you really need to get taken care of. So. No, not at all. We got, um, the other thing that I was going to look at too, uh, you got, um, Mac supposedly, um, set the hit out, uh, David Mack set the head out on on biggie and what i had saw what i had what i had got was um he had a friend of his it was a it was a friend of his that he went to school with actually that was in college with um david mack had went to college with um uh, amir muhammad they called him harry billups uh and he was possibly the gunman because eyewitnesses stated that they saw a tall slender black man in a bow tie. In a bow, in a bow tie. tie. Yeah. Wearing the, uh, what, what was it that, uh, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, it was uh, Islamic attire, if you will. Right. Kind of an is- Islamic. That's what they kept referring to it as the Islamic retire- so, uh, attire. So he supposedly was was the guy that con- they contracted to hit, the hit on uh, on Biggie. And so once it happened, uh, everybody was everybody was calling, you know, saying, this is the guy, this is the guy that did it. This, you know, this is the tie-in with it. Um. But you got David Mackis in jail, and his attorney said that um, that they didn't even that they didn't know each other that well, and that there's no way that he would have set him up uh, to to you know there's no way that they would have known each other uh, that this guy's acting alone to kill. But it did show 
1997, after David Mack was arrested, Amir visited him and put the wrong social security number. And he's yet to be seen again. He's gone. Like, did you read anything on anybody finding this guy? He's completely disappeared. Rumor is he turned up something like 15 years later as uh, Chauncey, uh, what was the other, his AKA, not Amir Muhammad, what'd you say? Harry Billups. Yeah, he turns up as Chauncey Chauncey Billups Billups is a basketball player, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, then he kind of interjects himself into the new task force that was sanctioned by the LAPD to look into the Wallace suit and kind of says, hey, I can get you Suge, but he kind of plays them to find out what they know, and then he disappears. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just, I'm just, man, they're all tied in. It's so deep. Well, the Amir, so corrupt. The Amir guy, he uh, supposedly when they were leaving the award show, he kind of shows up and kind of, as, as Biggie's leaving, he kind of shows up and they see him. And one of Biggie's security guys flashes his gun, flashes his gun at him and says, get the fuck out of the way. So he just turns and leaves. But does he really leave? Well, a lot, of, a lot other, of people believe that he ends up. The other conspiracy is there was a female, very attractive female in the parking garage trying to figure out which car Biggie's going to drive in. Right. So is she a spotter? And then you got the oh, white sure. SUV. Because there was three cars. You got the white SUV. Anybody want to guess what one of the cars was? <gasps> An Impala. A Chevy Impala. <laughs> how many how many Chevy Impalas does it take to kill a rat mogul? Man. <laughs> and what are we up to now? I'm, wh- I have found seven. <laughs> seven. We're yeah. at seven Chevy Impalas. They like them. So they far. Did. So but so those three cars are leaving, and I guess it's kind of the part of the security, not knowing which one he's in, but of course he's they know which one he's in. Supposedly one of the, the theories is that Amir in the Impala, blocks the right. the three leaving. Yep. And I can't think of the guy's name. One of the bodyguards, I've got it in here somewhere. I'll find uh, I had that too. Yeah, uh, he was the one that actually. He said, get the hell out of the way. And then he he gets, he's driving Puffy's SUV. And so he goes around him. Well, the conspiracy theory is Amir should have blocked those three. And then there should have been a blocker car on the left and a blocker car in the back kind of like what happened in Vegas with Tupac where they could not have gotten out of the way. Right. But either they didn't get the memo or the rumor is David Mack chickened out, but the white SUV somehow blocks other traffic from coming. And that's when Amir steps out and just riddles that hoping that he got and the, and the deal was the rumor is it was a million dollars for Puffy and Biggie. And so he only gets like 40000 for Biggie. And then he's like, look, I'm going to get my money or well, there's going to be some problems. And then that goes back, ties into that's why they robbed the Bank of America. That's why the 722000 was there because they needed they that needed money. They needed that much money. Yeah. Right. You got, I mean, you think about David Max, a lucky son of a bitch anyways, to even be alive because of po- supposedly and apparently you can't use those two words together. It doesn't work. Um, <laughs> He was sleeping with Suge's wife. Yes. Like yeah. They were having an affair. Oh, yeah. So it's it's, it's amazing that he – but you know what? you got to think about how much power David Mack had, too, because – He had a know, ton of power. Suge might have been afraid to, afraid of him, you know? He could have been afraid of him. I, I didn't see Suge being afraid of too many people. He was just a damn mm-hmm. goon, and he had yeah. a lot of goons to do his dirty work, too. Well, man, he's still doing crazy shit. He's in prison right now for running over those two guys in that damn fast food restaurant parking yeah. lot. Yeah, he, he died, didn't he? Suge died. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he finally died. Is it? Is he dead? He did finally die. Yeah, yeah. But he did do that. He's dude, He was crazy. He, he was, was crazy. He was crazy as hell. He was so. crazy. I mean, they, they take the good ones young. You know what I'm saying? No, no, right. <laughs> he just misunderstood. <laughs> he just misunderstood. <laughs> he he was he was not. He should have been. Uh, he should have been on. He should have took more Delta Eight gummies, and he would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, just chill, mellowed, dude. Just he would chill. have mellowed his ass out. So, and he would have been talking crazy shit at Ted's Montana Grill <laughs> about baked potatoes. He ain't getting a baked potato though. You ain't getting no fucking. I don't care who you are, Suge. You ain't getting no baked potato. Don't even fucking ask for it. I'll shoot this place up. You don't give me a baked potato, <laughs> baby. Get you get some of those uh, those pickled onions or no wait pickled cucumbers over there. They're disgusting. Anyways. Um, Big Gene, Big Gene, Big, Big Gene, Gene was, was the, the was the security security guy. guy, and he is quoted. He's still alive, and he's quoted as "justice delayed is not justice denied." And he he hopes, and I think he knows. I think they all know, and they're not talking. Mm-mm. Don't it's just like you said earlier. I'll take my fifteen. They'll years. take it to the grave. Yeah, I think what was it? David Max spent fifteen years in jail. Still, they still can't find six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, my ass, they can't find it. <laughs> Shit, they know where that money is. Oh, oh, yeah. Shug, you know, Suge was a in the early time before. I mean, he's probably Pyru way back, but yep. he was an outstanding football player and actually had a tryout. Maybe played one or two seasons in the in the NFL, probably on a practice squad. I mean, he was a large dude. He was a beast. Man. He was huge. And yeah. then you get into you know supposedly some of the beef with the East Coast West Coast was over a crip tried to chain snatch somebody's death row medallion and and it's just like you said you know we can come up with seven different theories and we can all probably prove each one of them yeah 90 percent could could find some truth in it but yeah it's it's if you know and we'll get into more of this probably in the third episode but the fbi agent phil carson is the one that really kind of spearheaded the new invigorated investigation into the biggie murder and he you know, is your typical go-getter FBI guy when he first gets on the case. But he said that uh, he, he wound up figuring out how to take the investigation away from LAPD because... That was the only way it's going to get solved. It was a racketeering yeah. interstate gun transfers is how the FBI kind of stepped in. Oh, wow. So they got in on, on gun uh, racketeering. Yep, and and Big Gene's on record is stating, "quote I'm glad Phil Carson, whatever's heavy on his heart, is coming forward and letting the truth be known. Phil is all has always been a straight shooter with me, and by him coming out and doing this right here, it makes me feel good. And that's where he has the justice denied is not justice. You got justice delayed is not justice denied. How in the world can Suge not even get out of jail? I mean, how many RICO charges could they pull off a deep off a death row? I well, mean, you know, now, big sidebar here. I had grand jury duty here in the great city of rome and uh that's during the uh rome italy yeah rome italy um during the <clears throat> scandal with the board of education oh you were on a good case yeah oh you were on yeah nice oh. she actually she actually pulled me in the uh da pulled me in the hallway and said uh i want you no <laughs> she said uh, is there gonna be a is there gonna be a problem did you wouldn't that have been cool though <laughs> We're just kidding. You she feel, just you she feel said, that heat uh, coming from my undercarriage. <laughs> <laughs> Shit in my purse and tell me you love me. <laughs> you got any of them gummies and a baked potato? <laughs> oh 
my god! Don't eat them pickled cucumbers, though. They suck. <laughs> but anyway, now she asked me point blank with the lead detective in the hallway, like I thought, hell, I'm I'm about to go to jail. She said, "Is there going to be a problem? Did you have any dealings with you know the lead guy?" And I was like, "No." I, Dealt with the school secretary. She goes, that's good enough for me. Looks at the detective and goes, well, if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. And so I was like, heck yeah. And I sat in there and watched the whole thing. You said, burn that motherfucker to the ground. Yeah. And, but the thing is, and she said, and it kind of put it in perspective. They, a lot of people were asking, why did the feds not take over and do a federal RICO charge? And you would have thought so. She said, no doubt. And then this is the best analogy I've ever heard. She said, if I put every one of y'all, and there was 21 of us in a school bus, we drove by a bank. You all had your phones out at the same time and videoed a mob guy robbing a bank, crystal clear footage. The federal government might take it. Really? And she said, that's how, you know, they won't touch federal RICO charges hardly at all. And that's why most of your federal RICO, they always charge them with that, the bullshit charges. Yeah. Because they know, you know, the heavy shit ain't sticking. Yeah, think about Al Capone. They couldn't get him on Rico. They got right. him on tax evasion. Right. Yeah. So, the, and that's what she was saying. She goes, "Look, Rico's never going to, you know, stick. We're going to get other thing, embezzlement. We're going to mm-hmm. get misappropriation of funds." And, but you know, that's the thing. It's it's white collar crimes. Yeah. You know? And and I don't know, man. It's just that's that shit. Is, that that's what we have the greatest. And the worst legal system yeah. in the world. You're right. Depending that, on who you're talking to. Yeah. That case baffled me. I couldn't believe. Oh, I even popped up during the middle of it. They had a spreadsheet that was like eight pages long. It detailed stuff every, they spent money on. Yeah. Detailed everything they spent money on. And there was another teacher on there, and, and I looked at her, and I said, no wonder we couldn't get a damn pencil sharpener in my room. Yeah. Maybe, no shit, hey, maybe we should do a podcast on that. We could. We could. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely have to stay anonymous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, yeah, that would be, be a good, good one. one. Yeah. I mean, how does that, that guy wasn't anything, like, major. Like, he. He had been fired from his previous job under the same allegations. But, hey, let's hire him. Put him over maintenance. There we go. The whole the whole Catholic church scenario yeah. again. We'll just move you to a higher level. Sounds bullshit. like he's. <laughs> A pretty smart criminal, though. Yeah. He was. Yeah. When you get down to it, yeah, I mean, yeah. inte- he was extremely. If he hadn't have been, and they said this is we've hijacked this podcast now, but they said nah. if he hadn't have been arrested when he was arrested, the next year he personally would have cleared a million dollars. Yeah, God. and that, and what we're talking about is there was a um, the whole board was it the board of education uh, yeah. certain figu- certain uh, higher ups in the board of education in our town. Had uh, basically been embezzling money for how many years? Uh, nine is what they proved. And then what was the what was the price tag on that? Seven million. Seven million dollars stole from uh, Floyd County, uh, Rome City School System. Yeah, it, these it, bunch it, of clowns, big time clowns. So yeah, we need to cover that one. Right, sure. I mean, how do you go no, nine years without catching it though? Yeah, I know because the you people be that's supposed man. to catch the people that's supposed could, to catch I mean, it. I probably could, we could on sit here too. for another thirty minutes and I could explain to you, and you'd be like, "Damn, that's how they did it." That's okay, how they yeah, did I got it. you. We for, may talk for another for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. But getting back to our podcast, yeah, yeah. Um, Phil Carson actually sets up a task force called the Rampart Federal Investigation Team, or RAMFIT, and roughly forty LAPD detectives Sounds applied painful. to join. And the thing was, they only took ten, and each officer they took how it had to be paired up with an FBI agent. So you're looking at a huge operation here. Mm-hmm. 
you know, interagency. But at the time, which was which did still did not outnumber the number of cops that were involved. No, no shit, no, yeah. no. And that's what Perez had stated. He yeah. said there's more than thirty other Rampart cops, along with his partner Nino Durden, who they needed to investigate. Right. So you're looking at an FBI agent and an LAPD uh, major crimes or robbery homicide detective paired together, looking at one cop. Each one of them is focused on one cop and they said you know carson said initially we're thinking that this is going to be absolutely hands down biggest police corruption case that this country has ever seen and he's on record stating the bottom line is it wasn't as big as perez had said it was but it wasn't as small as we had thought either cases were falling apart because we couldn't corroborate a lot of these things so we kind of pared things down the task force didn't need to be as big as it was and it kind of whittled down to where we're only going to investigate Nino and Perez. But it's like the whole, it goes back to the Rico thing. Yeah, they've got throwaway guns. Yeah, there's some questionable shootings, but all it is is hearsay. Can you prove it? Right. There's two different things. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Valetta Wallace, God bless her. She just wants to know who killed her son. And I think that at the core of it, I think that's what kind of pulls at your heart. He was, Biggie was her son first Mm -hmm. and foremost. She tried her best to raise him right and the thing is, it's not – I can sit there and tell you, Miss Wallace, here's who killed your son. And, there, you know, you've got a couple of different – the guy, the main detective in the pool, pool had yep. his theories. You've got Keating, who took over at 10 years later. He's got his theories. And Keating goes and sees her when he retires and says, Miss Wallace, and, you know, and I feel like this wasn't just made up. He, You know, I feel like he initially – or really felt this way and he said he had tears in his eyes and he told miss wallace he said miss wallace i can't get you justice i can just tell you who i know probably did it Mm -hmm. and that's the best i can do because what we know and what we can prove are two different things and i think at the end of the day that's what kind of that's what pisses me off the most is going back to take away the persona of tupac and biggie if you and i used to do this with when i worked at a residential facility with some criminal kids i mean legit criminal kid you like the stuff they did you're like jesus christ you're 14 years old and you've done all this oh my god but I, you you could take tupac songs and pick out because he he there's an interview with a jailhouse interview with him when he was in jail and he's got a full afro and everything and he says he realized real quick poets were nerds and poets got made fun of but if he put his poetry to music then he was a stud and if and that's what I would do. I would take his lyrics and I would give it to him. And I'm a math teacher. Hell, I don't know anything about English. And then they're like, "Man, you know this is this is great, man." I'm like, "Yeah, it's poetry." But you know who wrote it? Who? Tupac. And the best. And I think the best. And I used to tell these kids this too. The best thing I ever heard Tupac say is, "If you cross me, you're not going to eat at my table." Doesn't mean I don't want to see you eat. It just means you're not eating with me. Right. And it's not I don't want to see you succeed. And wow. I think he felt that way with Biggie. I think if Biggie and him could have gotten to a table, just and got, them. And got away from no everybody No entourages, else. No, nothing else, and been men. And I think that's what Biggie wanted. I think Biggie wanted to sit down and say, look, man, let's get this let's get this beef cleared up. Because from the streets, if you got a beef, we're going to get it cleared up. You know, either we're going to throw hands or, get or somebody's, somebody's yeah. going to get shot. Yeah. But Biggie was man enough to let people know. But Suge exploited that. 
and it kept made him Tupac, look weak. Yeah, and made him look weak and just kept feeding Tupac full of these lies. I really do believe you're looking at two of the greatest hip hop artists of all Ever. time. Yeah, still to this day. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's sad, and I think that's what I've taken away from this. And there's a lot of those. When you get into these cases, these unsolved cases, there's a lot of those. You talk about, you know, missing, uh, missing girls, missing women, missing men that just vanished. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, going back to Valetta, Valetta Wallace's, you know, that's somebody's son, that's somebody's daughter, and you, you can't put a price on that. You can't. That, and I don't want to use closure because I think that word's overused a lot. It's not so much closure. It's just the why. Mm-hmm. And you, you want to know the why. At the end of the day, whether he's arrested or not, I want to know why. Why it happened. Yeah. And, it, and if it comes down to something as ticky-tacky as somebody in this group that I didn't really talk to pissed off somebody in his group that he didn't really talk to and we both wound up getting killed, that right there is why mainstream America hates gangs mm-hmm. and the mob. You know, it, it's yeah. disrespect. And I think that's the biggest thing. It goes down to disrespect. Yep. But no, that that Ramfit thing was, and and they kind of go into it in if you haven't watched it, USA did a limited series called Unsolved, the murders of Biggie Smalls and Tupac, and they do a good job of tying Poole's investigation early on to Keating's investigation with a task force, and then they kind of they show each side of that their theories and how really you know like we've said a hundred times it could be. All of it could be true. Right. But it goes back to the Impala. Ever, David Mack had an Impala. The guy that got killed by Liga. And that's another thing I found out last, you know, we talked about that last week where, you know, supposedly Liga was in on mm-hmm. it. Really, from what I could read this week, Liga had no idea. Liga's just driving down the road and this guy pops off at him. And Liga's like, what the hell's wrong with you? Pull over, we'll settle this. Well, the, that guy pulls a cut. A gun, Liga mm-hmm. shoots him in self-defense, says, hey, I'm a police, call 911. Mm-hmm. Well, then they search that guy's Jeep, and they find he's a cop. Right. And so they cleared, That was in the movie as well. They yeah. cleared Liga. Yeah. And, they, and, you know, it was a, you know, a legitimate shooting, but but you're still corrupt. And, see, and that's I why, didn't know and, this, but Perez tried, to, <laughs> Perez tried to pin the six pounds of Bisquick on Liga to get him sent away. Really? As retaliation for, for killing. For killing the other guy. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. And that's why Liga, you know, he kept telling Poole, because Poole was actually investigating that. They brought him in to investigate that shooting. And he kept telling Poole, he said, man, this isn't a cop. This is a gangbanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, was Kevin Gaines. Gaines. Kevin Gaines, yeah. 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 See, and the other thing is, and I was telling uh, Rob before we started, if you go back and you look at these this class this cast of clowns, most of those Rampart guys have Pyru blood ties. I mean, Gaines was a gangbanger, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Perez, eh, maybe, maybe not. David Mack definitely, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, and there's a photograph supposedly of Perez or yeah, of Perez yeah. and Mack dressed head to toe in red suits. Yep, yep, and they're on the left and right of a young lady in a red dress with a red bow in her hair, and she's cutting a cake, and the cake's got something on it talking about how great the bloods are. Well, the girl cutting the cake is the chief of police's daughter at the time. So you don't think that, you know, you can't make the, we couldn't take all the gummies in that bottle. And make sense of it. Mainline Jack and make this shit up. No, no, yeah. You know, like you said last week, the stuff in the movies is 100% true. Yeah. 
It yeah. is. It is. It is. You and know, it, Perez is rumored to be training day. And, and I, I honestly, after looking into it, he's much worse than training day. The one thing I did find, and I, I can't, you know, because I have 27 pages. <laughs> El Chapo. Perez and them were running. Cocaine for the cartel. Man. When I read that, I was like, I can't read anything else. Not my head's about to explode. Right, <laughs> right, right. Not only did you rob a Bank of America in broad daylight as a cop, but you're running Mexican Bam Bam, yeah, from right. south of the border, yeah, for El Chapo, and you don't think that's a? At some time, you didn't think hey, it would all catch. We up might with all you. get killed. Well, it's like you, it's like you said. It's like how how can you done so much fucking shit? Uh, and then be like, uh, well, what are they pulling me over on? The guy that I killed or that cocaine that I stole or yeah, the they bank pull, I robbed? They pull Perez <laughs> Which over. one is it? They're like, we need to talk about the cocaine. He's like, no, nah, we ain't talking about the cocaine. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not talking about the cocaine. We're talking about the bank robbery. <laughs> what, what? Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah and last week we talked about the guy that. The uh, guy that's in charge of the Compton Police Department's evidence locker, yeah, seventy five pounds of coke in his locker. Yeah, and they they you know they even bring up the Bisquick thing in the movie it, briefly. Not they don't get into it big real big, but they do get into uh, how there's uh, he watches Poole actually watches them one of the cops take that cocaine home. And he watches him take it in his house and then leave with you know, leave without it. So they knew, and, and, and that's one thing, Poole, his his thing was uh, the reason this is unsolved is because the LAPD doesn't want it to be solved because it's one of their own. He was, he believes that a that a police officer shot Biggie. That's what he believes. Yeah, and I, I kind of, I've not read the book Labyrinth that he helped write with, the, I can't think of that. And I'm not really giving away the movie by telling that because if you see the movie, you go, well, that's not the, you know. Plot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but. But yeah, yeah that's, he, that, was, that was his theory. His thing is LAPD had their – those rogue Rampart cops had their hand in both killings. I believe that. And, you know, for the federal government to take over the LAPD, the Justice Department took over the LAPD for five years to try to root out the corruption. And then we talked also about how bad – how bad is Compton police if they dissolve the police department? Right. You guys are just done. Yeah. Okay. And Unbelievable. It, it, it's mind-boggling, but yeah, I mean, I know we've we've kind of bounced around, but going back to Suge and Biggie, I feel like Suge exploited anybody and any everybody that came into his orbit, and like you said, with Vanilla Ice, how that you know, a white kid from Florida, how am I being held over a damn balcony on a song yeah. by mm -hmm. a man in L.A. Oh yeah. yeah, and then to tell him that you know it's not for sale. Well, you're right. It's not for sale, but uh, you doing, it's going to hang doing, you over the side of that balcony. Yeah. It's going to be for free. Matter of fact, it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. He signed the rights over for nothing. Yeah. It's insane. You know, and I think that's the thing. Nobody gives Suge credit for being as street smart. And really, he was pretty business savvy, yeah, too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And then you go into, then it becomes, once you get out of Suge's little orbit, then it becomes a conspiracy theory. Was he at, was he tr was Suge really trying? Did Suge think he could take Puffy out and then sign Biggie? Because that's Maybe. one of the yeah, one of the because then I mean if he had done that, it, you swap that around and Puffy dies that night, Biggie no longer has a manager. You sign Biggie, you've got Snoop, Snoop, Dre, Tupac, Dre, and Biggie under the same label. Yeah, 
Sky's the limit with money. That would have been bonkers. Yeah. That would have been bonkers. And then to know what within 15 years, death row nothing exists. Nothing. Because you pissed it away because of your gang affiliation. I think, and I look at it like this too, and I think that, um, I think Suge probably would beat his chest and think that he had a police department uh, in his back pocket. Oh, yeah. But actually, the the crash guys had Biggie in their pocket, and they were using him to make all their moves um, as well. So I think I think the police was more – I think that Suge was more in the police's pocket than the police was in Suge's pocket. It's uh, – oh, There's a hundred different ways of looking at that. It is crazy, man. I don't – I don't know. One of the things is, and this, you know, we can kind of tie it up here, but Carson is on record as saying that he was talking on the phone to two LAPD detectives, Mora and Sambar, discussing a home invasion robbery that happened with an, a famous Compton Crip named Freddie Baby G. Staves. And another FBI agent actually overheard the conversation and went to him and had been monitoring staves on a like a separate case wiretap and uh heard um baby G staves talk about three LAPD officers had come into his house ransacked his house bound him in duct tape and tortured him to find out where he kept his money and his drugs and he knew this mm-hmm. he knew they were LAPD yeah that's what's i mean they stole you know, something like uh, a gold-plated revolver, like $60,000 in cash, and some crazy amount of street-valued cocaine from a known drug dealer. you got to have King Kong ain't got nothing. Yeah, that's the right. You yeah. walk in there. Them three walked in there. I don't see how they walk with their balls being that big. I don't either. They were ballsy. They no doubt about it. I mean, it's... And everything they did. And it was... Well, it's almost like at a god a complex. Yeah, it's almost like a kid. You don't have any morality. I'm living day to day. Yeah, it's I don't know, man. It's crazy. But can you imagine living that lifestyle? You know, kind of wrapping around and it. just not having the fear of prison time at all, and or that, knowing and, and that, that you serve it, it's going to yeah. be a cush. Yeah. Right. They're not going to put you in general pot. No. Yeah, and, and and that's kind of brought up in the movie as well. And, and go see this i mean not go see it but rent this movie i mean the city of lies it is a it is a good watch and it explains a lot of this in you know in a movie instead of just reading it but it's it's interesting yeah it's even interesting even if you can find the shield go back and watch that with michael chiklis that's a uh i mean pretty much a a blueprint to what's going on what we talk about biggie's mom has filed her lawsuit in 2002 and we're sitting here talking about it in almost 2022 she still doesn't Nothing's have happened. Nothing's happened. You know, and and her lawyers pulled the salt the suit so they could refile it because they felt like this FBI task force, the Ramfit, was going to solve it, mm-hmm. and, and never still did. have it. So I mean, and, and and the thing is, we could sit here and talk about, and we may next week talk about how the assistant chief was leaking information to the LA Times, undermining the. The uh, the FBI investigation, they're all in bed with everybody. It, yeah. it went to the top, and then Parks, you know, Chief Parks is the one. His daughter is the is, is the, the one in the, the photo. photo. How yeah. many people? How many people do you think one hundred percent know who killed Biggie? A hundred percent know. Yeah, I'd say minimum ten. I w- yeah, I would say less than ten. 
Yeah. Less than 10 people know that story. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I'm sure that kind of. Because there's a lot of people think they know. But, I mean, I wonder how many people 100% know. I'd say 10 or less. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'd say one driving the car, one pulling the trigger, and one that one that told him to do it. Yeah. We, yeah. Al- we always quote on our podcast, hell, son, I still got the shovel. Them guys on the grassy knoll were dead within an hour. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You yeah. know? That's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, it is. We can keep a conspiracy between the four of us if three of you are dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of they allude to that in that move in the TV show Unsolved. Their uh, Keating's main trigger guy, he feels like that killed Biggie is shot in a drive-by. Mm-hmm. What in in '98? Yep. Yep. So I mean, they took care of before Valletta. He was dead for four well, years before she filed her suit. Let's go ahead and think about uh, what Goodfellas and the Latanza heist. What what did they do? They killed every single person that that profited from it. Yeah, yep. except for Jimmy and Henry. Yeah, and uh, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they took care of everybody else's ass. So I mean, they ended up in a meat locker or you know stacks. Man, they had to shoot up stacks. He's just trying to make some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he's like what do you want me to do make some coffee he's like make some coffee get the fuck out of here you fucking dizzy rat <laughs> and like samuel jackson's dead on the bed god good movie it is a good movie fellas this was a good uh good uh second uh look at this from a from a different perspective so um i'm looking forward to doing the one the next one we're gonna do next episode will be on tupac all tupac so um but uh yeah good shit man I enjoyed it. I did too, man. Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, everybody, have a good day. Let's go try out that new barbecue place. Let's do it. All right, man. Later. Later. Later.